Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Turn to Luke 5 for me. As you're turning there, we are going to continue. I don't, I don't know that I would say that we're in a series. We finished a series. Pastor Cody did. Started last week and just really felt compelled, impressed, if you will, to share some things about faith because we are people of faith. And so we, we kind of walked that through last week. What, what does faith look like? And what is the, the, the really, we'll take a look at the application of faith today. What does that look like? And, and we learned that faith has an objective. It means Really, there's a purpose to our faith. And really, the main purpose is to have an everyday lifestyle of faith, not just for certain situations. And then we learned that life, I mean, faith is not based on an occasion. Like sometimes we'll only operate our faith when there's a need, but it's for any occasion all the time. And then uh, we learned that faith is an outlook, not based or held hostage to an outcome. And so, and then finally, faith has an order to it. You know, how you respond or how you line up your life uh, initiates a response from God. And so I just, want to sh- I just want to say, you can go back and watch that from last week. I would encourage you if you weren't here, even if you were, again, we're going to kind of step into the next part of that, if you will. But before we do, if, you'll hear, if you were here, you'll understand what this means. Uh, I talked about in one of my uh, lessons, uh, one of my illustrations about, you know, the times that we go uh, to my mom's for either Thanksgiving or Christmas, and she sets just a beautiful table, you get to see all the china and all those kind of nice things. And, and afterwards, my, my wife said, she goes, well, why didn't you use our house as an example? And, and we try and go to somebody else's house for those big occasions. And, and, uh, but she has this thing, this obsession. I don't know if obsession. She has this thing. She loves fiesta wear. I don't know if you know what fiesta wear is. I'm, I'm very uh, up, up to date on what fiesta wear is. We go to antique shops. We look online. And so I totally forgot <clears throat> what that looks like at our house. And so uh, we, last week we talked about paper plate faith, everyday faith, right? And so here's what our table looks like every day of the week. My wife has this nice, beautiful fiesta wear setting, eight place settings there, but we don't ever eat there. (laughs) We eat around the little island there in the kitchen or on the couch. But when we have people over, she takes all that off. She takes every one of those place settings off. She takes a picture so she knows how she's going to put it back. And then we, you know, and then we put paper plates out. And so she was, this week she was, she texted me. She was out shopping for Thanksgiving plates. Here's what she sent me this week as she was out. Yeah, she found the, the nice paper plates. We get the nice paper plates then. So that was just kind of fun. But, you know, we talked that faith is not just for a special occasion. It's for every day. We want paper plate faith. Amen. So um, I also had some other people send me some paper plate pictures. Uh, one was a stack of plates that said everyday plates. That's what they were labeled on there. And then if you all remember, I talked about the groceries going back. Men want to get all the groceries at one time, not make multiple trips or we think it's a fail. And so I had a guy send me a picture of him carrying it, just loaded. I don't know. You could put another bag of groceries on him. And the caption underneath said, there's still more in the car. <laughs> I just not But anyway, so uh, I appreciate those guys uh, sending me that stuff. So Luke 5, we're going to talk about active faith. Activate your faith is is what I titled the message today. So we we have an everyday faith and we have an everyday Jesus and we need to learn to uh, operate, activate our faith. Um, You know, here's what you need to know about faith. You're an active participant. Uh, I think that we miss that sometimes. Faith requires participation on your part. I mean, it's not you just praying a prayer and expecting God to do something. God wants to do something, but he'll give you some instruction to participate with him. There are those moments in time where there's a, the Bible talks about different gifts and operation, like the gift of miracles or the gift of healing, that God will just do something. But understand most of the time that you're a participant in your miracle, 
And faith is not just a belief for something, it's you then operating or acting in a way or positioning yourself, uh, being a participant in that to receive that. In fact, the Bible says in James that faith without works or a corresponding action is dead. In fact, it mentioned Abraham, the father of our faith, it said the actions that Abraham took made his faith complete. So know this, that we have an everyday Jesus and, and we need to have an everyday faith that requires things on your and my part. And in this passage of scripture, Luke 5, 1 through 11, Studying the story of Peter here when he's first called in to serve Jesus or follow Jesus. There's an amazing faith story, um, but we see him operating in some things without really even having a close relationship with Jesus. In fact, before this moment in time, we don't really know that he knew Jesus. Maybe he knew of him, but he didn't have a real relationship with him. We'll see that in the passage. And then something happened through the course of his interaction with Jesus that not only did he receive a great miracle, but he had to do some things to position himself for it. And then he ended up following Jesus after the fact. So Jesus, this is the beginning of Jesus calling his disciples. And so let me set the stage for you. Jesus is at the Sea of Galilee. That's where Peter lived. Jesus is from Nazareth. And he walks over there to that area. We actually, in our Israel trip, we visited this spot. And so we see in this area where there's a bunch of fishing boats. They just got back from a night of fishing. Very unsuccessful night for Peter and his partners. Um, But nonetheless, Jesus is walking along the shore, and that's where we pick up the story. So let me read the passage for you, then we'll break it down and find the keys in it. Uh, Starting with verse 1, says this, New Living Translation. One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. And so he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, which we know as Peter, he gets named later, Simon Peter, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time the nets were so full of fish they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. And soon both boats were filled with fish and were on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. Go away. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught as were others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. And Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. I love this story. And in the story, we see Simon, Simon Peter, we'll say it that way, just so you understand who we're talking about. Uh, step into a place that his faith is required, uh, his faith is used, uh, sets himself up, positions him for an outpouring, a blessing from God. In other words, faith is activated not just by what you believe, but also what you do. You participate in your miracle. Now, earlier this week, I had my small group prayer, permissions prayer on Wednesday night, and in that time of prayer as we were praying, I just felt this burden rise up on my heart, and I began to pray this way. It carried into Thursday staff prayer, and normally we have um, different staff members pray for different areas of the ministry, but I, as I stood before him, I said, yeah, I really feel compelled. Let me lead the prayer today. I had a specific direction to go in prayer, and it kind of was a continuation from Wednesday night. I don't, it's kind of where we're going today, and I want to let you know, if you don't know this already, there are 44 days left in this year. Can you believe that? 44. Where has the time gone? Only 44 more days. It is flying by. And here's what I felt compelled to pray these last few days and when I feel like the direction is today. These can be the best 44 days of this year. 
I don't know what your year's been like up to this point. In fact, you may be somebody that says, I just want this year to be over. I'm already done. It's the worst year I've ever experienced. I'm writing this year off. And let me say, before you write it off, give God an opportunity to come through in these next 44 days. Because these 44 days can be the best days of your year. Here's, here's why I know that. Because Peter just experienced the worst day of fishing in his life. And within the period of hours, he experienced his best day. See, God to do, can do anything in a moment. So I believe these 44 days, we're going to see some miraculous, amazing things happen in our hearts and lives here at Tree of Life and in our church. I think these 44 days can be the best, not only of this year, but of all the years that we've experienced up to this point. But we're going to have to activate our faith. We're going to have to trust God in all this. And I just want to encourage you. This may be the best year of your life. It can get better. Amen? Because God is God. And so I see such a great turnaround. There's 44 days left, and I thought about this earlier. Hey, look at, what, look at what God did in three days with Jesus, right? The greatest miracle of all time. There's 44 left for him to work. So let's find some keys in this story for you and I and how to activate our faith. Let's start back in Luke 5, 1 and 2. Let's, we're going to just go scripture by scripture. Verse 1 says this. One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of Galilee, you see Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats. Now, get the scene here. These are where their boats came in when they finished fishing. There's numerous boats here at this moment in time. The Bible says that Jesus noticed two empty boats at the water's edge for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. If you're going to activate your faith, you're going to have to steward well what's not working well. So what happened is they went out for a night of fishing with their nets, caught nothing. And then when Jesus shows up on the scene, they're not in their boats. What are they doing? They're over there working on their nets. They're taking care of what they have. They have a need because they had the worst experience fishing of their life. They have a need, but in that, it didn't seem to work out for them, but they were taking care of what didn't work for them. Here's the thing we need to know about our faith. How are you taking care of what God already gave you? The thing that you're believing God more is a result of something that's not working the way you want or hope it to work. Well, how are you stewarding that would be the question. And that's this principle that's not just a biblical principle. Well, it is a biblical principle, but it translates into our everyday life. And even as parents, you understand, see, God's not, we're wanting God, we're trying to release and extend our faith to God to do something when we're not even maybe taking care of what we already have. And God's not going to operate that way. As a father, he's not going to give you more of something when you're not taking care of what you currently have. Those of you who parents know that to be true because you're not going to do that. Well, not if you're a good parent, right? As a parent, I don't do that with my children. If they're not taking care of something they have, I'm not going to go out and give them more. So if you want active faith, you need to steward well what's not working well. You need to take care of what you already have. You need to be working on that. <clears throat> See, there was a lot of people fishing here, but what caught Jesus' attention was there at least one fisherman, Simon Peter, that was taking care of his nets even when he caught nothing with them. He was stewarding well what did not work well. It tells me this, that maybe God's not attracted to or interested in what you don't have, but God is attracted to and interested in what you do with what you do have. What are you doing with what you have? If you're going to activate your faith, you're going to have to steward well or take care of what's currently not working. And the problem is we, we want something new. I want something new, God. I, I, I want, I, I, we want to extend our faith for something new. I, I, I want a new job. I, I want a new home. I, I want a new car. I want a new spouse. I want a new kids, right? It's like, 
how are you taking care of the ones you already have? I mean, that's, that's what the question is, right? And again, the Father, our Heavenly Father, is not going to give you more of something when you're not caring for what you currently have. How do I know that to be true? Well, parable of the talents. There's another story that Jesus shares, he teaches out of, he tells a story where a master was, it's a picture of Jesus, a master was leaving, and he asked three servants to take care of his stuff for him, and he gave one one talent, which is an amount of money, he gave another two talents, he gave another five talents. Now here's the thing about this, the grace of God is that they didn't have to do anything to get those initial talents. God's good, and he'll give you stuff, amen? Thank you for what God's, thank you God for what you've already given us. But what they did with what God gave them positioned them or qualified them for more. And see, there's something that we have to understand because our faith is not just to be extended or we think it's going to be activated and be effective when we're not taking care of what we currently have. And so we're griping at God or we're upset or this faith thing doesn't work when we're not even stewarding what he's already given us. But in the story of the talents, the Bible says that when those individuals, they, the grace was they were given something they didn't have to work for, but then a further reward came based on what they did with what they were already given. And so that's the story here. I think when Jesus sees Peter, he's like, sees a man that's stewarding well, what's what didn't already work, and so that interested Jesus. And so it's what you do with what you have sometimes that positions you for the blessing of God. And many times we wanna believe God for something more. So let me ask you this question. Because I don't know what area of life that your faith is extended in or you want to extend your faith in. Let me ask you, how's your marriage? Let me ask you this, how are you stewarding your marriage? Now, I know you can't steward the other person. They have their own will. But how are you stewarding your part of the marriage? How are you stewarding your kids? You just writing them off, you're mad because it seems like aliens came down and possessed my kids. I don't know who they are anymore and what's going on there. You're writing them off. You're just, I don't want anything to do with them anymore. You're frustrated, whatever that. How are you stewarding your finances? How are you stewarding your body? My, my uh, stepfather here, he's an ER doc, and he sees for, I don't know, 35, 40 years. Or he see, if you're not taking care of yourself, then things are going to go wrong. And then we want God to intervene in a moment with a miracle when we haven't managed what we have well. How are your finances? I mean, here's the reality. I heard this example one time, because <laughs> some of us, are, our finances are in such bad shape, but, but some of us are driving around in our rent. <laughs> some of us are talking on the, the food on our table. Some of us are wearing our utilities. I mean, uh, can I just tell you this before I, when I was studying this message, I amen to myself a whole bunch of times just in case you didn't. I'm good. I'm just, <laughs> when I'm not trying to be hard here, I'm not looking for Duncan fans. I'm looking for Jesus followers. So I just want to give you keys. I just want to give you keys. I'm just, God's looking at how well you're stewarding what's not working. I think this is a, a key to a, having active faith. And the reality would be then for you and I, um, active faith or activating our faith may start with us having a new perspective on what we already have or what we've already written off. Maybe it's going to require a new perspective of you stewarding that differently. Luke 5, 3 says this, verse 3, stepping into one of the boats, listen to this, stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. 
If you want to activate your faith, you need to let God sit in what you have. Let God sit in what you have. It's interesting, the scripture to me is, is interesting because Jesus stepped into the boat before I asked Simon if he could use it. He's already in there. How do you get the guy out, right? What could I say? He's already in my boat, right? How do you get him out of there? And Jesus stepped into it. He says, then he asked permission to use a boat and then he sat down. That tells me that there are situations God tries to intervene in, but he will not sit down unless you allow him into your situation. I mean, he's coming all the time, right? He wants to. The Bible says he's knocking all the time. He's there all the time. He'll never leave you or forsake you. But sometimes we don't allow him into our situation. We think it has to be a certain way or we don't want him to see something, which he sees it all, or we think it's only for a certain set or certain scenario that he wants to come. Can I tell you, he's an everyday Jesus. We're talking about everyday faith with an everyday Jesus. And the Bible says it like this. Everyday Jesus comes and he knocks. He's trying to step into your broken situation. He's trying to step into your everyday life. Everyday Jesus, it's like this. Knock, knock, knock. Hey, it's me. Oh, you don't have time? Too busy? Okay. He's not gonna force himself. And the next day, hey, it's me. I thought we could. Oh, someone, someone else is helping you? Okay, but I brought the Holy Spirit with me. We could, okay, no, I got it, all right. Hey, it's me. Oh, oh you got this? You want to do it, you, you got this figured out, you want to do it a certain way. Okay, okay. Hey, it's me, I, I thought we could spend some time together. Oh, no, you'll see me on Sunday? Okay. Yeah, I didn't think I'd get an amen there either. But you know what, it's like, he's... <laughs> Let him sit in what you already have. Let him into your everyday situation. Every day of your life, you invite him in. He knows what's going on. He knows that Peter feel, failed the night before. He knows he didn't catch any fish. He didn't walk around saying, okay, uh, I'm gonna use somebody's boat. Who caught the most fish last night? Uh, who would you guys say is the most successful fisherman right here? Because obviously the guy knows how to sail. He knows what he's doing. That's the boat I want. He knows you're, you have a mess. Invite him into your mess just as you are, just the way it is. He's an everyday Jesus. He already knows. The great thing about God's grace is he'll keep coming back day after day. He won't force himself on you, but he'll keep coming back day after day. And the good thing is his mercy is new every morning. He's going to keep knocking at your door. He's going to ask the same question. Can I sit in what you already have? And if you want an active faith, you need Jesus to be active in your everyday life. Give him permission. He won't force himself. And I wrote it this way. If you want your faith to function, you need to let him sit in your dysfunction. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be afraid. Invite him in just as you are, just as it is. Let him in. It's the same boat that didn't catch fish. It's the same boat. God already knew. Jesus just walked up and down and looked for people who were stewarding well, that which didn't work well. And the people who let him sit in his boat, and that which didn't work the night before, just let them sit in their situation. So will you, will you let God sit in what you already have? Have you said yes? He knows the boat's empty. He knows the net's caught nothing. He knows what happened the night before. Let's take a look at Luke 5, 4. We're saying in Luke 5, verse 4. When he had finished speaking, I'm gonna stop right there for a second because he comes and, and gets in his boat and, and he sits in a, well, actually he comes, stands in his boat and says, hey, hey, can you take me out here then? Peter says, yes, so he sits down and then 
Peter, Peter takes him out, and, and you can almost imagine, if Peter knows who he is, it's like, man, this guy, this, this is Jesus in my boat, and man, I, what a day. I, this is, I'm so, I keep thinking, I'm so glad he showed up today. I just had the worst night of my life. I mean, I don't know, I can put food on the table. We didn't catch anything that's horrible, terrible, and Jesus, maybe he wants to talk to me. Maybe he wants to spend time with me. And what does Jesus do when he gets his boat, when Peter gets his boat out there? He starts talking to everybody else. Have you ever been there? When you're like, I did whatever you said, Jesus. I did what you asked me to do. And you're blessing everybody else. What's going on here right now? What about me? What about my need? I'm like, I'm engaging Jesus. I'm doing what he's saying. And I'm believing for healing. And everybody's getting healed but me. And I'm believing for this to happen. And my marriage is falling apart. And I see God restoring. I don't want to hear about your restored marriage. He's in my boat. right? I mean, we don't want anybody else to be blessed because we want to be. What about me, Jesus? You ever felt that way, that you did everything Jesus did and it seems like he's speaking to everybody else but you? This is the picture here. This is the picture here. And this idea is that sometimes, even when you've done what God's asked you to do, everyday faith with an everyday Jesus still may have a waiting period for you to receive. And you've been there when you're believing God for that, that promotion at work and the other guy gets it. And the other guy, you, I mean, you're working hard. The other guy comes in late every day. How did he get that? And you're believing God and somebody else's marriage gets blessed. And you're like, man, they don't even go to church. They live like the devil. I'm at least in church two times a month. <laughs> Sometimes there's a waiting period to receive. And see, a lot of people would get frustrated, impatient, Maybe offended or hurt. I did what you told me. And here's my question. How are you waiting? Is it like this? I can't believe. Man, he's talking to all these people. How long is he going to be talking, right? Because if that's all he was going to do when he got my boat, I could have just went and rested. I, I fished all night. I need, I need to get something to eat. I need to get some sleep then. We need to figure out what we're going to do tomorrow. If he's not going to do anything for me, why is he even in my boat? I, how much longer is it going to be? We, or is it, hey, Jesus, do you need anything else? I mean, I, you're ministering to everybody here. Is there anything I can do to help you? I mean, I don't know if you see Jesus, but that lady right over there, she's crying. She must really, maybe after this, maybe you could pray for her or maybe, come on, you know what I'm talking about? How are you waiting? Are you waiting frustrated and impatient? Are you, are, are, I'm at your service, Jesus. Hey, talk as long as you want. Hey, I think you're really getting through here. Hey, I don't know about them, but I mean, it's really blessing me, Jesus. Hey, I don't know about this people over here. You see this whole group of people over here? Maybe you really need to pray for them. They're rooting for the Cowboys today. I don't know. Maybe, Jesus, you just need to. Jesus, maybe stretch forth your hand. Maybe, maybe stretch your hand forth a little bit there. I don't know. <laughs> Could use it, right? <laughs> How are you waiting? Because <laughs> faith is a posture. It's a positioning. Because you can be waiting with the wrong attitude and wonder why your answer is not, not coming. And you think it's, you know, faith is not working. But active faith says you have the right posture. You have the right heart because the wrong attitude will hinder your faith. See, you have to participate when you talk about faith. So if you let Jesus sit in what you have, even if he's talking to other people, you have to have the presence of mind to stay in his presence. Not check out. Listen, a lot of people get frustrated and say, forget it. I did what you said. And things are happening to everyone else but me. I'm done. I'm going back to doing what I've been doing. I'll figure out another way. I don't need you. 
But Simon Peter had the presence of mind that even though Jesus was not speaking to his situation in the moment, he had the presence of mind to stay close to the one who could change his situation in a moment. That even when you're in that waiting period, it's just a posture and attitude that you have that, man, as long as it takes, is there anything I can do, Jesus? We can't walk away, run away, or in Peter's case, swim away from the only one that can change our situation, no matter how disappointed or frustrated we get. Luke 5, 4, when he finished that out, when he finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out to where it's deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. This is interesting to me because this is Jesus the carpenter speaking to Simon the professional fisherman. Jesus the carpenter speaking to Simon the professional fisherman who's done it his whole life. You want me to go out deeper and drop my net. Look at Luke 5 then, 5, 5. It says, Master, Simon replied. Interesting, now he, got a, he knows who Jesus has been speaking. So now he addresses him as master. Heard what he said. Master, Simon replied. We worked hard all night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let down my nets again. If you say so, I'll let down my nets again. Okay, understand the significance of this moment because here's a carpenter telling a fisherman how to fish. And he says, go out into the deep in the daytime and let down your net. Now, back in that day, Fishing didn't necessarily happen that way, that day, that area. Back in that day, fishing happened at night and in the shallows. And so at night, the bigger fish would come into the shallows because that's where the little fish were or the bait fish were. And the day that the fish would go out uh, because it was cooler in the deep, they could find structure, find cover. Uh, Some would even say at night, uh, the fish would come in, the fishermen would let their nets down at night because the fish then would not necessarily, could not necessarily see what was waiting for them and then they could catch them. So here's something that the carpenter's telling him to do. Go in the deep in the daytime and Peter had to be thinking in his mind, no, we fish at nighttime in the shallow. No, carpenter man is telling me fish in the deep in the day, but everything I know is telling me no at night in the shallow. But, If you say so, do you know that God will tell you things, Jesus will tell you to do things that make no sense to you? Do you know that he'll do that just for the sole purpose of when he shows himself strong on your behalf, you don't get the credit, but he does. He will tell you to do something that doesn't make sense to you or those round about you just so no one can say you did it or he did it in his own strength, but that God did it. And so Peter says, this makes no sense to me, but if you say so, I will do what you say. So active faith is faith that says, if you say so. Because know this, if he hasn't already, and I'll bet that he has, he will ask you to do things that don't make sense to you. This was a carpenter. It wasn't even a friend who becomes one, obviously. It wasn't a friend. It wasn't a fellow fisherman. But Peter said, if you say so. It's interesting and important for me because sometimes we get to a place that the only answer we have is because he said so. I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me, but because he said so. There's only one explanation for it. God 
So because he said so, if you want active faith, you're going to have to trust God in the if you say so. If you want all the facts, if you want everything to make sense, you will never push out into the deep and let down your net. And sometimes to activate your faith, the only thing you can say is if you say so. Everything Simon Peter experienced in life told him this was not going to work. But he said, if you say so. See, honestly, there's things, again, that God's asked you, is asking you, and will ask you. In these next 44 days, God's going to ask you to do something that you don't know the outcome, and you're going to have to trust him and say, if you say so. Remember, faith is an outlook, not an outcome. Obedience is not an outcome. It's a heart posture or position. Will you do it because he said so? Will you do it because he said so even if you don't get a raise? Will he do that for them if he said so because he said so even if they don't thank you or acknowledge you or you get nothing in return? Will you do it because he said so even if you're at fault for something or you're not at fault for something? So Simon Peter says, okay, push out daytime, let down my nets into the deep if you say so. Listen, your faith, and I love this picture right here, your faith needs action, needs your participation. Simon Peter had to work to get to the spot. I picture it like this. Jesus says, push out into the deep and let down your net. Okay, well, Jesus, we, we fished there all night. But if you say so, I don't know why he's wanting to go out in the deep. I mean, we don't, you know, we don't do that right now. But if you say so, I mean, we fish at night in the shallow. He's just a carpenter. I don't know what I'm wondering. But if you say so, well, at least he could grab the other oar or something and help me get out there. I mean, this is a little ridiculous. But if you say so, can I tell you something? It required Peter to do some work to get to the position that the miracle would take place. It's going to require you to do some work to get to the position where the miracle will take place. And all you have to do is say, if you say so, and that's all you can say. If that's all you can say, keep working. If you say so, I don't know how this is going to come out this way. It doesn't make sense. But if you say so, everybody says this is crazy. But if you say so, but you're going to have to work to get in the position that God wants to bring the blessing into your life. You have to participate with it. And even if you're only saying, if you say so, then that's enough. If you say so. I told you to give. Doesn't make sense to me. I don't know why I got my own, I have my own needs, why I'm going to buy a box. But if you say so, I, told you, I don't know, my kids need a bike, but okay, okay. But if you say so, okay, I don't want to serve. I, I'm busy, I'm busy, there's a lot going on, but 7,500 people. But if you say so, I don't want to, I don't want to go apologize because I didn't do anything wrong. But if you say so, I'll initiate it. I don't want to forgive because you don't know what they did to me. But if you say so, You're going to have to do some work to position yourself to your miracle. And sometimes the only thing you can say is if you say so. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7 that we live by faith and not by sight. Or we live by what we believe and not by what we see. The problem is we're looking at what we don't have. And we're looking with our sight, not with our vision. So you need to know this because sight will lie to you. Because sight is not supernatural. Vision is supernatural. Vision is seeing things different than what they are. Let me, use, let me use the illustration this way. There's a lot of people in here today, but I see some empty seats. Sight would tell me there's empty seats in here, but vision would say, I see this place full in Jesus' name. Amen? 
If I was to walk out these doors right here and look to my left, my sight would tell me that there's just an empty run with a cover over it, but my vision tells me I see classrooms, I see nurseries, I see small group rooms, I see prayer rooms in Jesus' name. I look out there and I see this between buildings, between buildings I see this big open space. My sight says it's just an empty space. My vision says I see an awesome children's playground out there with tons of kids playing on that thing. I walk out behind me, I look over the ponds, my sight will tell me there's just an empty field out there that needs to be mowed every so often. But my vision says, I see pavilions, I see playgrounds, I see a park, I see ball fields where families can come and have picnics and have a good time and family reunions. Sight, don't let your sight blind your vision. Don't let your sight blind your vision. How are you looking at your marriage? You see it a certain way with your eyes, but you need to have a vision to see it the way God sees it. You're looking at your broken family. Don't look at it for what it is. Look at it for what God sees it can be. You're looking at your broken body. Don't see it for what it is, but look at the way God sees it to be. You're looking at your broken bank account, but don't look at it for what it is. Look at it for what it, be, what it can be, but know this. It's going to require some work. If you said so, if you said so, because my vision is, my outlook is different than what I currently see. It's not denying what's going on. It's realizing there's things you can do about it and trusting in a higher power. And that takes obeying. That takes obeying the if you say so. Luke 5, 6 through 7 says this, and this time their nets were so full of fish they began to tear. And a shout for help brought their partners into the other boat and soon the boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. They literally went from the worst day of fishing in their life to the best day of fishing in life in a matter of hours. So let me ask you a question relating back to our very first point, stewarding well with what isn't working well. When Jesus came on the scene and is walking up the shoreline and there's all these boats here, maybe, just maybe, Jesus already knew what kind of miracle he was going to do. And so he's looking at boats and he's maybe not looking for the best fisherman. He's maybe not looking for the guy in the boat ready to go. He finds an empty boat, but then he sees these guys working and stewarding on what wasn't working. And what were they doing? The Bible says they were tending their nets. What was going to be the vehicle by which their blessing came? Their nets. So maybe, just maybe, Jesus was looking for someone who was diligently working or stewarding on something that he would use to be the vehicle for the blessing. I love that picture. I love that idea. So he's looking for people that are working on their nets. Could it be possible Jesus was looking to see who was stewarding, trying to steward well what did not work before? They were able to bring the blessing in because they were working on something when it wasn't working. All I'm saying is this. The season you are currently stewarding over is directly connected to the blessing. So don't give up. Don't quit. Keep stewarding on what's not working. It just might be the vehicle by which God wants to bring the miraculous, bring the blessing in your life. So don't walk away from it. Don't give up on it. Don't turn your back on it. Don't quit. It just might be the thing God wants to. So fix it. Adjust it. Position it. Their business went from the worst day to the best day. Active faith has a generous heart. See, the moment the blessing came, they called the others to share in it. 
Remember, God blesses us to be a blessing. So if he blesses you in an area, don't keep it to yourself. 44 more days, a lot of opportunities to be a blessing. Listen, God doesn't want to bless you just for you, but wants to bless you for others. Uh, Think about this then. I don't know about you, but when I read stories like this, I just try and put myself there and think about other things. What if the only reason Jesus picked Simon Peter, Simon Peter's boat, was not to bless Simon Peter, but he wanted to bless his partners? Come on. Maybe God wants to bless you, not just to bless you, but to bless those round about you. Maybe God is looking for someone, not who doesn't have something and they're believing something, but has a heart and has positioned themselves and is stewarding well, and God knows then to bless other people around about them. He can bless them and they'll get the blessing out. Maybe God wants to bless people in your family. Maybe God wants to bless, and he'll bless you to bless them. Maybe it's not a lack of faith that's causing you not to receive something. Maybe it's a lack of generosity. Maybe it's a closed heart. No, I just want this for me. And you can deal with, you can take care of everybody else in my time. This is for me. I mean, I, this is for me, God. Can I tell you? God wants to bless you to be a blessing. And if he can get it through you, he'll get it to you. God will bless you just to bless the people around about you if he knows that you won't keep it to yourself. Maybe Peter was picked because he knew that Peter would bless his partners as well. He wanted to bless them. And Jesus walks the shoreline looking for someone who's stewarding well what's not working well, looking for someone who let him sit in his boat, be willing to push out, do the work while he speaks to others. They'll patiently wait. Maybe someone that positions himself by doing something that doesn't make sense and then being willing to share or bless others when he gets blessed. Sometimes the reason why God doesn't bless us is because maybe the blessing would sink us. See, the blessing could have sank Peter, but his partners came. And I think, I think sometimes we don't receive the blessing that we're believing for because God knows if he blesses us, it would sink us. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. You just keep it to yourself. God wants to bless you abundantly. He wants to bless you so you can be a blessing to other people. But he's not going to bless you if you're just going to keep it to yourself. And sometimes the worst thing he can do is to bless you if you're just going to hold it. Maybe God's not blessing us sometimes, not because we have a lack of faith, but because we haven't activated it in a way that will tell him that we are going to share it with other people. Because just maybe that blessing would sink us. Always bless others. Key number five, always be bless, bless others. Active faith has a heart to bless others. To activate your faith, allow God to use you to bless other people. Luke 5, 8 through 9. I got to wrap this up. Here we go. A couple more scriptures left. Luke 5, 8 through 9 says, when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, oh Lord, please leave me. Go away from me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish he had caught as were the others with him. He was overwhelmed. Active faith, a key, I believe, to active faith is to always stay humble. Always stay humble. I mean, I think that moment that God responded in that way, 
I think that instantly it's amazing that Peter just fell to his feet, almost as if to say, I don't deserve this, but thank you. I'm not worthy, but thank you. I don't know why you would bless a person like me, but thank you. I, I, I don't know, but thank you. I, I'm unworthy. I'm sinful. Can I tell you, God already knows all that. Jesus already knew who Peter was. Jesus knew he had nothing in his boat. Jesus knew he had failed the night before, and yet Jesus sought him out. God's not concerned with all that. He just wants your heart. He wants you to stay humble because here's two dangers in all this. Either one will believe the lies of the devil and we will think we're not so worthy. We won't even ask him. Or we'll be so consumed with pride. Well, it's about time. Hey, look what God did for me. Thank you, God. I deserved it. Look, I'm in church every week. I gave to outreach. I rang the bell. I did all that. I served a 7,500 meal. Hey, listen, God, can I tell you? Pride will derail your, your faith. I love Peter just immediately. Have you ever, you ever been that when God says something and you just, you can't believe immediately you just fall to your knees and just cry and just like, oh man, thank you, God. And tell you the fifth key to having an act of faith is to stay humble. Just say, none of us are worth it. None of us deserve it. Worthy. None of us deserve it. But God knows that. He knows that. Well, stay humble. He knew when he chose you. He knew all your faults, all your mistakes, all your shortcomings. He still wants to bless you. Activate your faith. Steward well what's not working well. Let God sit in what you already have. Trust the if you say so. Have a heart to bless others and stay humble. And Luke 5, 10 through 11 finishes this passage. Says this. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. As soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. I love this because that means there's a deeper place we can go in Him, there's a greater impact we can have in this world. There's more people we can reach, more people we can touch if we'll just activate our faith. God still wants to use us in greater capacities. Our best days are ahead of us. These 44 days can be absolutely amazing. It can be the best days of our lives. Look what he did just in a few hours. He went from the worst day of his life to the best day of his life to being used for all eternity. And now we read stories about the man. And nothing's impossible for God. Let's finish this year strong. 44 days to activate our faith and do everything God's asking us to do and to make a difference and change lives. God is a good and faithful God. Every head bowed, every eye closed. My heart, my hope today was to stir our faith. Look at five keys. Just really, honestly, look at these five keys and see, see what we can do. If we're doing some great, keep doing it. If we're not, then make an adjustment. See what we need to do to keep our faith active so we can accomplish the things that God has for us to accomplish. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.